Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Muy buenos dias. Wake up, America. It's Wednesday, March 8th. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. John of God. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning all across America and beyond, wherever you may be here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Wednesdays, I always take a brief moment to remind you to pray to St. Joseph, the husband of our Blessed Mother Mary and the foster father of Jesus. He's a powerful intercessor, so go to Joseph, especially here in this month of March, which is dedicated to St. Joseph. Want to bring in our Morning Air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines this hour on this Wednesday morning? Well, John, a tragic end to the Mexican kidnapping situation. Four Americans uh, kidnapped a few days ago in uh, the northern port of, part of Mexico, right across the border from Brownsville, northeastern Mexico, in an area that the federal government says Americans should not travel in. Sadly, they were headed there for a medical procedure for one of the four. They've been found. Sadly, two found dead. Two others returned to America now, John. It is uh, a very tragic uh, story. Uh, apparently, uh, it's been reported that the suspect uh, was arrested in Mexico in connection with this kidnapping and, and the murder of these two Americans. And Glenn, uh, this really hits home, especially for our relevant radio listeners uh, listening down there in the uh, Brownsville area in uh, the Rio Grande Valley. I mean, uh, it's dangerous to go over the border, as we now know. And uh, I, I believe that we're at a level four uh, danger warning for Americans uh, to not cross over into Mexico? Yeah, certain parts of Mexico uh, are, are rated separately uh, in terms of those danger warnings, but uh, one of the very most dangerous areas right across the, the border from the Rio Grande there uh, in northeast Texas, uh, level four, same level as uh, there'd be warnings to not travel to Iran and North Korea, Ukraine, Sudan, countries like that, uh, many at war right now, are very dangerous for Americans. And because of uh, drug, drug cartel activity, uh, that's the same for uh, right across the border. And uh, for, I understand uh, that we are at pre-pandemic levels when it comes to, to people uh, traveling uh, to the, the many resorts in Mexico as well. But uh, those places are not necessarily safe either, especially in light uh, of what just occurred. Yeah, most are much safer than some of the areas we've been talking about. But still, there have been, uh, sadly, some some areas uh, where uh, even resorts have been uh, hit by violence. And uh, Texas continues to be uh, in the news this morning with five women uh, who are uh, suing the state of Texas over uh, its abortion ban. Um, uh, What do we know? Well, the the ban enacted in 2021 makes an exception for medical emergencies, but the lawsuit this week... uh, argues the exception is poorly defined and has caused, quote, irreparable injury to pregnant women unable to receive, as they call, life-saving care. This is debated by people who uh, look further into the uh, the life side of, uh, of that. And also, uh, word this morning here that uh, Vice President Harris uh, jumping in to, uh, uh, you know, throw her support behind the women uh, uh, with that lawsuit, saying it takes away the right of women to make their own reproductive health care decisions, uh, of course, we know abortion is not health care and endangers women's health. Uh, and so, once again, uh, just another angle of attack on life. 
If our listeners want more on, on this issue of abortion not being health care, we had a fabulous interview just the other day with uh, Dr. John Brukowski, and uh, uh, he is a former abortionist uh, turned pro-life OBGYN uh, who has a lot to say, and he explains why abortion is not health care, and uh, abortion is never medically necessary. So you can listen to that interview in its entirety uh, on our podcast uh, at relevantradio.com. Meanwhile, uh, a uh, positive story uh, coming out of uh, the state of Texas uh, involving uh, one of your Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, how about that? The Vikes doing good in Texas. Uh, in addition to a win over the Cowboys or something like that, uh, we've got a Viking saving a life. Uh, receiver K.J. Osborne, one of four people who pulled uh, and helped pull a man out of a burning vehicle. He was in an Uber uh, last weekend on Sunday night in an Uber in a car sped by, ran into a bridge abutment or a pillar under a bridge overpass. Uh, car burst into flames. He and the Uber driver and uh, two others nearby were able to rescue this person and pull them to safety. No no injuries were reported, which is uh, quite miraculous. But uh, way to go, K.J. Osborne, who had a, a good year on the field, but even a better year off the field here. Absolutely. At a time when athletes uh, oftentimes say they do not want to be role models, uh, K.J. stepped up to the plate, and, and he really uh, was heroic. He is our hero this morning. Hey, guess what, uh, fellas? It's always very attractive when someone is a hero and steps up to the plate and, and is there to save the day when their life could be in danger, and they step out and say, look, it is my responsibility to help someone. So uh, keep it up. Way to go, uh, K.J. Osborne. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, Sarah and Glenn. We uh, begin every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, always giving thanks uh, to the Lord for all the many blessings, keeping in mind that every day is a gift, every day is a blessing, and we always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning here on the show when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You can always find us on Twitter, our handle at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And if you want to shoot us an email directly, it's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage this what a classic and perfect tune by Frank Sinatra uh, for what we're about to talk about. Love and marriage. Uh, there are reports that among Catholics, the sacrament of matrimony is in freefall. According to Georgetown University's Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, over the 50 years between 1969 and 2019, Catholic marriages declined an unbelievable 69 percent 
even as the Catholic population increased by nearly 20 million. Joining us live for much more perspective is our spiritual director this morning, Father Marcel Tyon, with much more on the dating culture crisis that's fueling a Catholic marriage vocation collapse. Father Tyone is the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island. Uh, he has served for over a decade in vocation ministry for Our Lady of Providence S- Seminary uh, while chaplain of the Bishop Hendrickson High School. And he's also a longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air contributor. Good morning, Father Tyone. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Great to be with you again. Well, good morning. I love that song, so thanks for play, playing that. That's great. You know, <laughs> it is thank, love and welcome, marriage, like horse and carriage. And gosh, I'll tell you, I love Frank Sinatra, but it is. It's a relevant song to what we're talking about, right? Sort of back when that song was was made and sang and popular, uh, marriage was sort of like a, a a respected part of fabric of culture. And today, that that is in a decline. It's a challenge for the church for Catholics, and uh, we need to we need to be concerned about it. I, I think that. That survey is an important one. It makes us think, why? Why is there a marriage crisis? And, of course, the vocation crisis. I don't think, you know, vocations and marriage always go up and down together, so we shouldn't be surprised across the board that vocation, understanding of vocation and permanent commitments is certainly young people are struggling with permanent commitments. We know that across culture for a lot of reasons, and I think we, we know that people people always tell me of the marrying age, so to speak, that they have trouble locating people that share their faith and their values. Um, And oftentimes in ministry, we see more and more people, a person of faith being drawn by Christ as someone who's not of faith or left the faith or doesn't have a lot of understanding. And that can be a a great challenge. And that's also fueling, I think, the decline in the number of marriages, certainly sacramental marriages and even secular marriages as well. But especially we're talking today, I think, about Christ, friends, and disciples, sacramental marriage. It is pretty unbelievable, uh, those stats. Uh, for, uh, over that uh, 50-year period from 1969 to 2019, uh, Catholic marriage is declining in uh, incredible um, 69%, nearly 70%. Um, what do you think the connection is between those numbers and dating? Do you think that perhaps there's a dating co- uh, crisis as well? There is a dating crisis. I think we've seen, if you read some of the reports, right, people are actually dating less. They can't find people. Um, certainly, on top of everything else, we throw the COVID blanket on top of uh, all of that. And then combined with secularism and people, you know, not committing. And, and I'll be honest, I think people living together before marriage has also been a great uh, cause of this. People living together and contracepting and not really understanding uh, the fullness of the beautiful teachings of Christ on marriage and family. So I think there's there's layers to it, but we we shouldn't be discouraged. I think we need to, you know, as as a faith communities, we need to support the marriages and the wonderful families that are innumerable all over in all our parishes. I mean, most parishes have these amazing families that are almost countercultural now, raising children in a traditional what we call quote unquote traditional Catholic family. But people are are doing it great. They're they're having success. I think we need to. Have best practices support support these great couples support people dating, and I find you know some some particular communities around the country they they foster young adult groups and people to meet each other that are like minded. But it is a it's a challenge. One of our greatest challenges we're facing in the church today, and it affects everyone: lay people, priests, religious, catechists, educators, um, religious education programs. I think we've just got to we've, we've got to get to it and get that 
really the, the marriage and family gospel values out to people and, and be with people that are in pain and suffering and breakdown as well. And hopefully people that have been maybe singed by divorce or other kind of problems like that don't don't give in to the temptation of the enemy to give up altogether on uh, what Christ's ideals are for, for marriage, family, and fidelity. And so it's a, it's a multifaceted thing, but I, I'm glad you brought up the topic today. I think it's something that affects all of us today, and certainly the evangelical mission of the Church is, is, has to be all about it right now. Uh, Father Tayon, I want to bring in our listeners. Um, if you have a question or comment uh, for Father Tayon on uh, Catholic marriages and this uh, vocation crisis that we are seeing, according to all the latest uh, numbers, we're, we'll take your calls at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. That's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Father Tayon, I, I remember. Uh, Pope John Paul II uh, famously saying, the future of humanity passes by way of the family. Uh, the stats that we're saying uh, have a direct effect on the Catholic family. No doubt about it. And if the enemy of Christ wants to be victorious in uh, separating us from the Lord, uh, the main target really, are, I think, are his family. The family itself is, is the bedrock of society, even non-religious people. Um, this is where there's a great uh, cause for concern these days where, you know, the role of government is to is to help uh, to really to build family life and to, to build society. And the family should be the bedrock of a society. We know in the last uh, this last couple of decades, we've seen really like sort of a, a tsunami uh, kind of really undermining that in ways, uh, you know, obvious and not so obvious, but it's it's a particular issue for us, especially in Western countries. We need to we need to be good at at entering into dialogue and convincing people that even in the secular public square in the world, outside of Christ, friends, that the family should and must be the bedrock of of the backbone of any society. And then John Paul II was right; he was insightful about that. Again, I think his theology of the body was a great response to the sexual revolution that has kind of brought about a lot of these things. Some um, were still trying to deal with that, too, in, in real practical ways and catechesis and, and formation of consciences of people. So we have to form consciences in Christ and also even non-religious people, forming them uh, to know what is the truth, what is what is the good, how do we build a good and just society. And John Paul was on it clearly that it, it really is the family, is the foundation of society. And we need to remember that, recall that amidst the brokenness and supporting everyone, respecting everyone, but still... Uh, really understanding that and making sure that we're part of the leaven, you know. I love the the image that Jesus had, right? You're you're salt of the earth, right? And we need to be the salt of the earth, right where we are. Maybe not saving the whole world, changing the whole world, but in our own families, our own neighborhoods, our own parishes, our own uh, companions on the journey, wherever we find ourselves, to be very uh, ardent but gentle uh, witnesses to that to the family. And we need to do that today. And again, all of you listening today, there. Are, that are trying to do your best to to raise a family and raise children to know to know the good things of life and build good human virtue and faith. Uh, God bless you. And Christ is with you. The church is with you. And uh, certainly, uh, we we got we've got to stay on it and uh, make sure these statistics don't keep going in the wrong direction. But we will have a rebirth of of true family life, especially Christian family life, uh, that will help really literally save our nation and the world and bring about justice, peace, and, and all the good things that we all hope for, for all those in, with whom we share our lives with, for sure. 
Well, Father Tyone, uh, in terms of dating, uh, there's another um, a survey from uh, 2021 by the Institute for Family Studies that asked people under 55 who desired uh, marriage why they were not married. And uh, 58%, nearly 60% said it's hard to find the right person to, to marry. Uh, what, what is your take? I, I completely agree. That's my pastoral experience. People will often, I've worked a lot with a lot of millennials and, and people of that age, and the hardest thing is to find someone that's compatible, again, in a in kind of a secularizing time that's accelerating. And even people not of faith, I think they, they want some of their shared values. And so we, we have to, you know, some people use dating apps and Catholic apps, and, and that does help some people to meet people. But again, it's a, you know, people feel sort of, uh, I think sort of, I find some people have sort of given up. They sort of can't they I'll never find that person. I haven't yet. And then sometimes surprisingly by God's grace they do. Uh but sometimes I find some people sort of have a, a dating fatigue. They really they sort of uh kind of raise the white flag and see if it comes, it comes, but I'm not gonna extend all my energy on this because I can't I'm not don't seem to be getting anywhere. I'm not even finding meaningful dating relationships. And I have had many young people share that when I when I do blessed to do a wedding many of the people in the wedding party are unmarried of the same age and and they sort of whispered to me or many people in the, like the wedding rehearsal dinners even the receptions it makes them think when they see a happily committing couple entering into sacramental covenant many people self-evaluate and feel like they come up short and they can't they can't find that person it's a common conversation at weddings actually because i think weddings make people inventory their their love lives and their romantic interests and if they're at a Catholic wedding, praise God, they're, they're evaluating their supernatural values and what Christ wants them to do. And some people really want to raise a good Catholic family, and they can't find someone. So imagine that that's a, that's a frustrating place to be. And I think that story you brought up, that great um, insight, we need to remember that and pray for people that want to do what Christ wants in a vocational way for family and find creative ways to support them. But we need to pray for them. And maybe that's part of our Lenten gift of this morning on the show is to reach out spiritually to all these people that do want to do what Christ desires and, and make, do the hard work of working at marriage and raising children and later on grandchildren. This is what we need. So there are people willing to do it, and they can't find that person. So we have to ask the Lord to help them uh, so that, again, these, uh, these kind of statistics can, can start trending in a different direction. We, we can do that by, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I believe. Well, Father Tyone, I want to encourage our listeners who are in that situation. They can't find the right person. They've lost hope. Do not lose hope. Let me just real quickly tell you, uh, after years and years of, uh, of looking and, and, and being worried about uh, choosing the right person, I was minding my own business in the back of, of church one day at St. John Canches in Chicago, talking to the pastor when he said to me, John, I got to go and do the next mass. Here, talk to Cindy. The rest was history. <laughs> that was the beginning. We ended up getting married. Father Rocky married us a year and a half later. And uh, I guess the moral of the story is you just never, ever know God's plan and what's in store. On any given day, your whole life could be turned upside down. You will meet that right person. That's a great witness. And I love that it happened in church on top of it. So oh, for sure. I think that's stay with, stay with the Eucharist, stay with confession, but do what, what, what you did, you know, and I think just remain open. But you're right. It just... And the Lord will sneak up on people and, and reveal their vocation to them when he, I think just having a desire to want to do, we can't let that fire go out because that's what God wants. God wants good families. He wants good marriages. He wants people to jump into the pool of committed love and self-sacrificing love. It's, it's not easy. We know that 
that's that's the beauty of a vocation. It's it's God's desire, His plans for for ourselves and others. But great witness, actually, the perfect uh, response to the issue that we're talking about this morning. It's a, it's a great witness to what what can happen. Thank you, uh, Father Tyana. My wife Cindy tells a story much more colorful than I just did. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I just want to say that um, you know Father Rocky has thought about this quite a bit as well. Uh, you know, he even wrote that book, uh, Marriage Insurance. And I remember two things. He, he said, uh, try to marry someone of the same background and also don't live together. So those are two great reminders for anyone mm-hmm. who's listening. Yeah, really. And honestly, if you're living together, you can make a good confession like work it out. Most, most priests are usually very good at like spiritual life coach, moral life coach. We can help you. We can help you to get there. Don't, don't get discouraged. There's, we can start again. And many of my couples do that. And they find a joy and a peace in a very loving way. It's not rules. It's, it's love, joy, peace and investing for family life. So again, uh, you know, that, that's something great to, but that's also a way to, to go forward with these challenges is to kind of just have an open conversation about that and don't be afraid or embarrassed, but, but the church will work with you and walk you into really good marriage preparation. That's, that's the gift of Catholic marriage prep as well. And keep praying because you just never know when that day is going to come and you want to make sure that, that you're ready. Uh, Father Tyone, as always, I uh, really appreciate uh, your insights and your spiritual perspective, especially on uh, this topic of, of dating and marriage. And we're glad Cindy uh, went to Mass that day, so that was good. (laughs) God bless. Have a great day. Thank you, Father Tyone. (laughs) Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and a longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air contributor. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Our personal success coach, Dave Duran, will be with us to talk about the five levels of productivity discipline. We're going to talk about the importance of discipline. So stay with us as we are headed down the stretch as Morning Air continues on this Wednesday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. Oh! Woo! I'm back! This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. I hope you're jumping and up and at them this morning. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Wednesday morning here in the second week of Lent. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from 2 Corinthians 5.20. The Apostle St. Paul writes, So we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We beseech you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you do nothing else this Lent, go to confession. Make a sincere, truthful Lenten confession. Lent is the season to humble our pride and be reconciled to God. The great St. Augustine called the confessional the medicine box because there is a divine physician there and we are injured and need healing. We go in with our sins and we come out squeaky clean. Our Lord Jesus Christ in his infinite ocean of mercy opens his arms wide to embrace us. Our sins are finite and Christ's mercy is infinite. So we always pray with great confidence that prayer 
that uh, my good buddy Drew Mariani prays every afternoon during the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, I want to talk about discipline, specifically uh, productivity discipline. According uh, to the legendary college basketball coach, Bobby Knight, discipline is knowing what to do, knowing when to do it, doing it to the best of your abilities, doing it that way every single time. In fact, I recently shared this in very inspirational quote with my uh, high school baseball player son, uh, Joseph Dominic. Joining us live from Fort Myers, Florida, is our longtime Morning Air contributor and personal success coach, Dave Duran, uh, with much more on uh, the five levels of productivity discipline. Dave Duran is an author, speaker, and executive coach. He's the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and a founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. You can follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Good morning, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It is great to be with you. Hey, John. Great to be with you this morning. By the way, so inspired by just the words about confession. You know, we're talking today about discipline. And um, it's funny, you know, it's a good material we're going to talk about. But I will say that uh, a great confession is probably one of the biggest ways to enter into discipline because people so often look at confession as optional, and it's not. It's like saying, my heart is essential for my health, but my lungs are optional. No. Uh, these the, the Eucharist, confession, they work together, but confession precedes the Eucharist. And this is one of the things that I think... If people recognize when we uh, are in sin, particularly in mortal sin, we can we get confused. We literally start to uh, confuse ourselves. There's anxiety. There's all sorts of things that happen when we are not right with God. And the the best that we can try to do is is to suppress our conscience in order to be diligent in our work, but it really is never quite as effective as just being right with God, which gives us joy, and joy can give us clarity. So just I just wanted to put that out there. What a powerful thing to be able to do. I so much appreciate. We're on the same page, uh, Dave. You know, F- Father Rocky really kind of uh, reminded me a, a few years ago that, you know, if you struggle and you can't get the things you want to do during Lent, if you do nothing else, go to confession before Good Friday, and it will be a good Lent. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, I I just really hope that we have more and more people going to confession and then bringing others to confession, inviting them to the sacrament. Because, frankly speaking, the confessional should be as full as the church uh, each week. You know, and, and, and while we don't have a precept to go to confession every single week, uh, we certainly can't approach the Eucharist unless we're in the state of grace. And it's super important to be in the state of grace uh, when we receive the Eucharist. And in light of the fact that we are sinners, the confessionals should be way busier than they are right now. Well, Dave, I went to confession on Sunday before Mass, and and it's hard to put into words uh, the joy and the peace that you feel deep down inside, knowing that, you know, whatever misgivings, whatever big sins or little sins, they're all forgiven uh, by our Lord through the priest. And so, uh, you know, we, we have this microphone, we have this platform. I think uh, just even chatting about it before we get into our topic is, is, is a great thing. Yeah, I totally agree. 
Now let's get into the less important but yet still important material. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it's related because I think, you know, I think you it hit is. it right on the nose. You know, um, first of all, I want to get your take on why you think that discipline is so important in anything that we do, whether we're talking about business, uh, in school, uh, sports, and even and especially in the spiritual life. Well, you know, what, what we have to remember is that we cannot have prosperity without peace. And we cannot have peace without order. And order comes from discipline. And that's important. And by the way, when I talk about prosperity, I'm not talking about everybody running around driving a Bentley. I'm talking about that each to their own portion in life, there should be prosperity. If a person is, you know, living in a home uh, with a modest income and raising a family, prosperity comes from the joy and the happiness in the, the world. But it also comes from the fact that they're not living beyond their means. And when you have a certain discipline, uh, if you make 50000 but you only spend 40000 well, you're going to have prosperity. If you make a million and you spend 1.1, you're going to struggle financially. So the whole idea here is to enter into the idea of, of prosperity and joy, to live life abundantly, which, of course, is, is the gospel. Now, Dave, I, you know, I was not familiar with the term productivity uh, discipline per se. Can you explain uh, to our listeners uh, what you mean by productivity discipline? Yes. At the end of the day, all disciplines produce a productivity. And by the way, the catechism actually calls us to be productive, which if a person reads that the wrong way, they would say that sounds utilitarian. It's not utilitarian. We are to be productive. I mean, Christ says that we're supposed to, you know, spread the gospel to the corners of the world. Well, okay, that's a productive thing to do. To pray produces greater holiness. To eat right produces greater health. So we are, we are productive through discipline. And one of the, the worst things we can do in the first way that a person actually enters into or fails to begin entering into productivity is they fail to begin. Okay, so the first level of productivity discipline is to begin something, to actually just get started with it. It's to wake up. And it's that heroic moment of, you know, when the alarm goes, you're out of bed or you beat the alarm by a minute because the discipline in your mind says, I'm going to be productive in this regard and I'm going to get this done, uh, you know, on my own because that's where I am in life. Yeah, I mean, you, you cannot walk a mile without taking that first step, I, I believe the old adage goes. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And uh, one of the things that happens is, so many people, so this is, a, this is a grand analogy that doesn't actually make any actual sense at all because it's an impossible thing, but it's fun to think about. If every single person on earth were to try every single thing in the Guinness Book of World Records, most of the book would be written overnight, rewritten overnight. Why do I say that? Because the person out there who could actually break the record for lifting or running or for juggling or whatever probably just never did it before, never tried. The number of people who could have been a musician at the level of virtuoso, but never picked up a violin, uh, is enormous. Now, we can't all do all things. So th that's one of the reasons that the analogy is actually a poor analogy. It would be to say that we have to try everything, and that's uh, a silly idea. So we just have to try something, you know, something that makes sense to be good stewards in what we're doing. But beginning, failing to begin... So most people say, well, 
I, I, I never would have been a good doctor or I'm no good at being an entrepreneur. I couldn't do what Donald Trump did or whatever it might be. Well, most people have never tried. <clears throat> most people, you know, that's why people say, you know, I, you know, somebody will ask me, Hey, uh, you know, you, so by, by the way, I was in martial arts for 20 years. Okay. But I never went pro or anything like that. But I remember, you know, somebody said, well, uh, what was your record? And I said, well, I was undefeated as a pro. Uh, and they, and they go, what? And then I laugh and I go, I never fought a pro fight, but that's a true statement, right? So most of us, it's a silly true statement, but most of us are undefeated in life because we've never done anything that we could lose in because we're afraid to do that. So we have to begin to enter into this sort of thing. And if we do enter into it, uh, it's kind of scary. That's why people don't begin, but we have to do that. And I mean, there's things that relate to our faith, you know, like people may have been thinking, I I've, want to read the Bible one day. I want to start reading the Bible, but they never take that first step. They never say, okay, today's the day I'm going to start. Yeah, they get a lot excited. You see this, by the way, in sales. You see the, the person who, let's just use as an example, the business, the average person in this particular business sells a million dollars a year as a salesperson. And this particular person has only sold a half a million dollars a year. They've been barely hanging on to their job. And now it's time for projections for the next year. And you put your you know, one-page business plan together and sit in your sales meeting. And that person writes down three million. Okay, this is something that, you know, one person's ever done in the company. This particular person's never done more than 500,000. And they put down three million so that they can sit in the meeting and be praised for thinking big and making a turnaround. And then they go on to do 500,000 again. You see this sort of behavior. Why do people do this? Because they like the reward. They like the feeling. They like the idea of something going beyond that. Um, but they don't want to have to do the work. They don't want to have the effort. They don't want to get into it uh, in that regard. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, the second uh, of your uh, five levels of productivity discipline. Well, if you don't, if you do start, but then you quit right away, then it doesn't really go anywhere. So if you pass the first level and you begin, you go to the second level, which is to basically, stating the negative, not quit. Stating the positive, have fortitude. So many people build bridges, and they will build those bridges, you know, one mile, and they'll leave the last 10 feet off. It's a useless bridge. It, it cannot have anything cross it. And so if we recognize, you know, if I dabble with, if I teeter with, then I can't really get anywhere. Now, it doesn't mean we need to be experts in everything. I mean, for example, I picked up the guitar a few years ago. Um, I don't read music. I don't, I, I know many chords, but I can't tell you which one is which. Um, I can play a lot of songs, but mostly what I play are my own songs because that way if somebody says that sounds, sounds horrible, I'm like, well, that's how it was written. <laughs> but the, the, the idea though is that I didn't set out to ever play in a band or anything like that. I set out to play the guitar so that I could sit down at home in enjoyment and know it well enough that I can go up and down, you know, uh, the neck of the guitar. I can play some music. I can have some fun. I can listen to a song and put together the first couple of lines of that and to enjoy it. But that bridge is what I built. I, I wanted to build a bridge that was, you know, four feet long so that I can cross it and I can cross the bridge. Now, if somebody was going to school for music and they set out to play the guitar to be a professional, and they played it at the level that I am. Well, they set out to build a one-mile bridge, and they stopped it after four feet, 
right? So the reason that that's a good analogy is it doesn't mean that if you're going to take up golf to enjoy the weekends, you now need to be Tiger Woods. But you do need to be able to play proficiently with other golfers so that you're not an irritation on the course, right? So that's it's an important thing to remember is that we can't just quit things right away because we don't think we're good at them. But we also don't set out to do everything always to perfect it because that is also unhealthy. But yet there are some things in our lives. So for example, I build companies and I said to myself, if I'm going to build companies, I'm going to have people in my care. I'm going to do everything I can to be as good at this as God could possibly make me be. And I'm going to do my work on my side and use the natural gifts that he's given me and try to merge those two things together. Now, on the human side, we always do that imperfectly, but God does his part perfectly. So you work hard to do that. And when you do, you can you can get somewhere. But we have to set that out as a goal. That's what I love about uh, sports. I think sports is a metaphor for life. And we often hear from uh, great coaches, uh, you know, Vince Lombardi and some of these great coaches out there. You never, ever quit. You always stay in the game. And I think that this applies to business. It applies to our faith uh, as well, Dave. For sure. There's no doubt about it. And if we set out with the idea of quitting, then we can't really go anywhere. It's a little bit like going to confession with the intention to sin later on. Um, it doesn't really work that way. Now, if you're a betting person and you wonder whether or not you are going to sin again, well, all you have to do is recognize human nature to say that it probably will happen. But that's the dichotomy. That's the hard thing. How can a person go to confession and make a perfect con uh, confession, like perfectly contrite with the perfect desire to not sin again? Yet, intellectually, no, they probably will. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a hard thing. And it's a good metaphor for the... And that's why we need God's grace. Because for man, nothing is possible. But all things are possible through God. And that's one of those like problems that you can only solve with God's grace. Well, if we call upon God's grace and we say, I, I know that I'm likely to quit this sort of thing once I start it. But I'm going to do everything I can to not quit it. You'd be surprised how many times you might quit a little or quit for a day, but you don't quit overall. And you stay in the whole game all the way to the end until you accomplish it. And that's actually what the confessional is about. It's about literally trying to be perfect from that moment on. But knowing that ultimately speaking, what you're trying to do is be perfect, be perfect through God's grace so that at the hour of your death, you have accomplished that long work, even though you've fallen many times from that now till then. Great stuff, uh, Dave. I want to invite our listeners. Uh, we're taking your calls for Dave Duran. If you want to share your thoughts on the importance of productivity discipline, I think another word for productivity could be fruitfulness. Are you producing good fruit? Are you getting things done the right way? We'd love to hear from you. Be part of the conversation. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We're going to take a, a short time out as we continue our discussion with Dave Durant. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. I'm building bridges straight to Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance company not available in all states. 
Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverance on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Keep on running. Keep on hiding. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Uh, thanks for joining us. As uh, we continue our uh, quite interesting uh, discussion on the five levels of productivity discipline with uh, longtime Morning Air contributor Dave Duran. He's our personal success coach, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. If there's anything that you've heard that you'd like to chime in on, uh, if you want to be part of this conversation uh, and you want to share your thoughts on the importance of discipline in being more productive. We'd love to hear from you again. 888-914-9149. Dave, uh, moving right along, let's talk about the third level of productivity uh, discipline, one that I think is super important. Yeah, so what a lot of people do is they fail to begin, but if you wake up, you've hit level one and you begin your project. The other thing too is if you stay with it, you don't quit, then you can get to the next level, which is Getting it done with sloppiness, that's a level, but it, which is better than not doing anything at all. Depends, by the way. Sometimes it's better than nothing at all. Other times it's, it's, it's actually almost worse than not starting at all. But it's, that's a level there. Okay, it's like I'm getting somewhere. Now, here's when it's acceptable. It's acceptable when you're new at something. Okay, hey, you're playing the guitar. Great. Play this song. Okay, you played it. It sounded horrible. Wow. But you did it. Wow, from beginning to end. Way to go. You did the workout. Oh, it's the first time you've ever been on the air. Uh, you're doing a practice run. Sure, you messed up some things or it was your first speech or whatever. So there is a time that we actually get it done with sloppiness and miss details. And it's called growth. And that's the reason I have it on this list. Otherwise, I'd leave it off and I'd say, listen, you know, the only way to do a job is to do it right. Yeah, okay, well, tell that to the kid that's never shot a basket before and you put a ball in his hand. Okay, he's not going to get it right the first time. At least it's unlikely. So we actually have to include this in the idea of building a productivity discipline for ourselves. We begin something. We don't quit. We got it done, but it wasn't very good. Now, why am I saying this, John? Listen to this language. When you talk to most people, they will say, foreign language isn't my thing. Couldn't get it. Math wasn't my thing. Couldn't get it. I tried running a business. It didn't work. I tried dieting. It didn't work. I tried, I tried, I tried. Now, to a degree, yes, this may be true for all of us. We have certain inclinations and God gave us certain natural abilities. I get that. But for the most part, you will hear a very able-minded and bodied person say that Nine out of 10 times about things they absolutely could have done, but their pride is their greatest enemy. Where does their pride come in? Their pride comes in because somebody else that has done it a million times and has worked super hard to get through all of the hard parts and the embarrassing parts now does it very well. They do it. It's not very good. And they're comparing their initial attempts to the attempts of a person who has mastered something through discipline and practice, and their pride says, well, you were, they literally say this to the person, well, you were naturally good at that, but I wasn't. You're inclined to that, but I'm not. And what an insult to the person who went through all sorts of embarrassment and hard work and calluses to get to where they are, to have another person look at them and say, oh, well, that just happened the first time you did it. Oh my gosh, it's to completely disregard all of the hard work that they went through. So our pride is generally the thing that gets us to quit at this point right now when it's sloppy and hard and taxing and stressful to get through something we're not very good at. I uh, 
read the quote from Bobby Knight, doing things to the best of your ability. Uh, if you're just going through the motions and doing it sloppy, you're not doing it to the best of your ability. And from a Catholic perspective, if we do it for the Lord, I think that's the right motivation, the right motive. It is. And we must understand this. Our ability grows. This is the thing. You know, you have a natural talent. Okay. A natural talent might be that you have a certain set of natural things about you. You have a natural strength that if you never lifted weights or a natural speed that if you never ran, you still have it. It's natural. That's a, that's a, like a talent. Your skills are refined over time. And I do realize that there's, you know, denotations and connotations on these two words that people mince around all over the place. But to use this one, your skills are taking that natural size and natural speed that you have and turning it into a better running form and lifting weights in order to get to where you need to go. This is a super important thing for us to remember when we are going to do something right. It is to say, my ability to accomplish something will grow over time. So if I do something to the best of my ability today, it might be kind of ugly and mildly unproductive. But if I keep working on it, my actual potential, okay, not my current current capacity, but as I grow, my potential and my increased capacity to perform and perform at a high level will grow. Now, if I did the same thing once I'm an expert, like I did when I was a beginner, that's sloppiness and that's a problem. But on the pathway, it's okay. Uh, we're up against the clock. Uh, Dave, uh, number four on your list. Perfect, uh, perfectionism. Perfectionism is actually better than sloppiness, but it also... It, it is one of the reasons that people do things delayed, <clears throat> or it's one of the reasons that people have missed priorities. And they say, well, I'm going to be a perfectionist at golf. Okay, well, yeah, that doesn't really make sense for your lot in life because you have a family and you're not a pro golfer. So we have to be careful to, to go for perfection, but not to have perfectionism, which is different. And uh, last but not least, uh, the uh, fifth level of productivity discipline. It's getting it done the right way and on time. That is a big deal. That's saying, I'm going to do this perfectly and I'm going to do it the right way, but I'm going to learn how to time things appropriately so when I give myself a deadline, I can actually accomplish that task the right way and on time. And doing it that right way uh, every single time to the best of our ability. Uh, great reminders, uh, Dave. I really appreciate uh, your perspective uh, on this topic. Thanks, John. Great to be with you this morning. All right. Have a great one. Executive coach Dave Duran, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. You can follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. Our story today is called Darts. A young lady named Sally relates an experience she had in a seminary class given by her teacher, Dr. Smith. She says Dr. Smith was known for his elaborate object lessons. One particular day, Sally walked into the seminary class and knew they were in for a fun day. On the wall was a big target, and on a nearby table were many darts. Dr. Smith told his students to draw a picture of someone they disliked or someone who'd made them angry, and he'd allow them to throw darts at that person's picture if they wished. Sally's girlfriend drew a picture of a girl who'd stolen her boyfriend. Another friend drew a picture of his little brother. Sally drew a picture of a former friend, putting a great deal of detail into her drawing, even drawing pimples on the face. Sally was pleased with the overall effect that she'd achieved. 
Then the class lined up and began throwing darts. Some of the students threw their darts with such force their targets were ripped apart. Sally looked forward to her turn and was filled with disappointment when Dr. Smith, because of time limits, asked the students to return to their seats. As Sally sat thinking about how angry she was because she didn't have a chance to throw any of the darts at her target, Dr. Smith began removing the big target from the wall and underneath was a picture of Jesus. A hush fell over the room as each student viewed the mangled picture of our Lord. Holes and jagged marks covered his face. His eyes were pierced. Dr. Smith said only these words from Matthew 25, 40, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. No other words were necessary. Tears filled the eyes of the students, focused only on the picture of Christ. Powerful story corner, as always. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. During Lent, I want to continue to encourage you to try to get to confession and daily mass if you can. And also pray the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every single night of the week. You can stream it at RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app, or you can watch it on YouTube or our Facebook channel. As Father Rocky uh, says day after day, the family that prays together stays together. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Thursday on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is up next. <laughs>